Hey there, it's Danielle Alvari of VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Be sure to check out my new podcast, the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the LA teams, plus USC and my personal favorite and alma mater, UCLA. So if you're from Los Angeles or a fan of any of the LA sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe, follow, and listen to the Los Angeles CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome, welcome, welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. World Series started Tuesday night, and Dodgers fans already don't care. They just want answers to what the heck the Dodgers are going to do in the offseason with so many of their players entering free agency. Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Corey Seager, Kenley Jansen, Chris Taylor, the list is long. And it's prompting a lot of questions all across the Twitter sphere. Should the Dodgers keep Clayton Kershaw, who you may remember was injured, missed playoffs? And if so, what kind of deal should they offer him? Something to keep in mind, the Dodgers 2022 payroll projects to a little over $205 million, and that's without any of the free agents that are hitting the market. It does also include $34 million for Bauer, so who knows how all of that will shake out. Really interesting to ponder, but it is a, a very bittersweet time. <laughs> Actually, just bitter, right? It's just bitter. It's just bitter for Dodgers fans right now. Uh, no World Series, and by the way, a bunch of your players could be gone. Could look like a completely different team next season. But if there's anything we know about the Dodgers, it's they're not afraid to spend money. And we love that about them. Anyhow, don't know how that's going to shake out. Do know how the show is going to shake out. Let's tell you how it's going to go. First, Rams at Texans. We'll talk about that. Huge spread on that one. And then Patriots and Chargers. Some exciting news for Friday's show. We're going to have sports betting analyst from VEASAN, Adam Burke, join the show to talk about the Rams and the Chargers game. You may have seen him actually in the Los Angeles Times. I believe he's been submitting some betting articles for them as well. So get excited. We're going to have a real sports betting analyst on the show on Friday. Then later on in this show, we're going to have... UCLA Utah talk with Sam Conan from All Bruins on Sports Illustrated, the publisher for that. And we'll also get into Arizona at USC with Sam as well. And also something to look forward to for Friday's show, Stormy Bonatoni on to talk about UCLA Utah, since she will be doing the sideline for ESPN for that game. We've had Stormy on the show before. She's great. She hosts My Guys in the Desert on VSIN. If you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. She's always doing lots of fun stuff on that show. And her and her producer, Steph, are great. So, exciting Friday ahead of us, but let's get to today's show. How about that? First things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. As far as college football goes, UCLA at Utah on the road. Utah, a six and a half point favorite now. You may remember that was five on Monday, six and a half now. So people were taking that Utah minus five and the book was like, all right, we're going to have to move this up minus six and a half now. Total at 60 and a half now. I believe it was 61 on Monday. UCLA plus 185 on the money line. If you're a big Bruins fan and you want to bet on them to win this game, first of all, I would be hesitant. And I am a big Bruins fan. <laughs> but, hey, plus 185 is not terrible if you think they can gut out a win here. And they are kind of road dogs. Utah minus 230 on the money line. Arizona at USC. 
USC given three touchdowns, 21 points. USC minus 21 here. It was minus 20 and a half on Monday. I said I wouldn't be surprised to see this get to 21, and then maybe it's a play on Arizona plus 21. I get it, Arizona's 0-7, but 21 points. Well, I'll talk, we'll talk about it with Sam later on in the episode. I can't believe this. Uh, I mean, I can. Total sitting at 56 and a half. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed by it. USC minus 1667 on the money line. That's actually moved quite a bit since Monday. And then Arizona plus 850. So that's moved a bit too. That was seven to one on Monday. As for the NFL Rams, minus 14 at the Texans. Total 47 and a half. That was minus 15 on Monday. So a little bit of movement there downwards. And the total was at 45 and a half. And it's been bumped up to 47 and a half, which is interesting. Patriots at Chargers, Chargers minus five and a half, total sitting at 49, no movement on the spread there, but a little bit of movement on the total upwards, it was 47 and a half on Monday. NBA, Cavs at Clippers, Clippers are an eight point favorite, total sitting at 217, that's Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Don't really get into this game today on the show, but yeah, eight points is too many for me, and also prefer to live bet NBA myself. You can find all these odds at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's get into it. So the Rams. Rams at Texans. Last week, Rams-Lions game. It was the Jared Goff revenge game, right? And I have to say that I have to hand it to the Lions. They did a nice job, right? We talked about this on Monday's show. But that was a huge point spread, and that's kind of what I was hanging my hat on last week, which was that's a lot of points, especially in the NFL, to cover, especially when, I don't know if you know this, but Teams don't really care if they win by two touchdowns. They just want to win. So, two touchdowns here. Again, this was minus 15 on Monday. And I think people were taking that with the Texans because you were getting over two touchdowns. So people were probably taking that plus 15, and now we're seeing that movement a little bit down. Rams minus 14 now. So, and again, if we're newer to betting, that just means that as the money comes in, if they're getting too much liability right? And by they, I mean the sports book. If the sports book is getting just too much liability on one team or the other, then they're going to may shift the line a little bit. Uh, there's obviously more that goes into it than that, but that's a pretty rudimentary basic understanding of that. So Rams minus 14 here. You're still getting two touchdowns. There's no half. There's no hook. So again, a hook is just a half a point. It's just 14 straight up here on bet reverse. So no 14 and a half. So that means you could result in a push if the Rams win by exactly 14 points. Push just means you get your money back. When I talked about this Lions game last week, I said, hey, you know, there's going to be emotions involved with this one as well. It's also in L.A. I think you take the Lions or whatever. I had Dan Leach on to talk about it. He said, do not bet on the Lions. And I get it. The same reasons almost exactly that you wouldn't bet on the Texans. But again, this is a lot of points. Don't touch this spread, but you know I'm always going to give you guys an idea of what side you should play if you wanted to. Let's break it down here. The Rams are second in yards per play on offense, and Houston is 30th. The Rams rank 14th in yards per play allowed, but Houston ranks 27th. Rams have scored on 50.7% of their possessions. Is that good? Rhetorical. The Texans 24% of the time. Now, keep in mind the Texans have been without Tyrod Taylor, who they're supposedly bringing back this week. You know, making you know, assuming he can make it through practice, he will be back. So that is going to be slight change. Some of the handicappers, analysts that I was talking to, reading their takes on this game, 
were saying that they didn't think that that was necessarily going to move the line. I don't know if I agree. The Rams are also third in the NFL in yards per pass, and the Texans' pass defense is 29th. So even though Houston's defense might be slightly better than Detroit's, I'm not ex expecting a barn burner here, right? As far as Tyrod Taylor goes, or Ty is it Tyrod, Tyrod, whichever his mother prefers, I think it's Tyrod. He missed the last five games with a hamstring injury. Without him, the Texans went 0-5, and they averaged just 7.8 points per game. Last in the league, in case you're wondering. In their first two games, though, they had Taylor, and they scored 37 points and 21 points. Okay, not terrible. All that to say, there's no bets I'm dying to play here. I did look at possibly, maybe there's a, an under to be played here. I mean, it has been driven up a little bit, so I don't know if I'd want to look at an over now because it was 45 and a half on Monday. It's now up two points. So, you know, sometimes people will say you've missed the best number. But as we saw last week, I think it was the USC game, USC Notre Dame. I said I wanted to play an under on that game and the total had moved. And I didn't get the best number, but it's still covered. So it does, it's not, you know, an exact science in that way. I mean, betting never is. Under 47 and a half. I looked at it because I thought the Rams have the second ranked offense in the NFL in terms of points per play. And they're up against the 29th ranked defense. That said, I'm not sure what this Texans offense is going to look like with Terod Taylor back. If he is in fact back. That's the thing too. There's kind of a question mark still kind of hanging over our heads. Hopefully we can answer that for you by Friday. That'll clear things up for me, certainly. The Rams' defense, though. Fifth best in the NFL, allowing just .3 points per play. And the Texans have the 31st-ranked offense in the league in points per play. That says under to me. It does. So I wouldn't want to touch a huge side like this, but just like I played devil's advocate last week, I'd rather take 14 points, so give me Texans plus 14 if I had to pick a side. And as far as the total is concerned, this is reading very much like an underplay to me. And that's provided that the Rams defense does its job, which I'm expecting they will. What was the final score versus the Lions? 28 to 19? Barely, right? And I'm hoping that the Texans will be able to execute some of the things that the Lions were able to do. Yeah, I would say under 47.5 is my best guesstimate best estimation for this game but again nothing I'm dying to play let's move on to the Chargers Patriots at Chargers Chargers a five and a half point favorite that hasn't moved since Monday but the total has moved up a little bit from 47 and a half on Monday to 49 now, now the last time these two teams played let me just run it back here really quick it was when Belichick held them scoreless just drew up a, a great game plan. Herbert had two interceptions and no touchdowns. He had over 200 passing yards, I believe, but the result, 45-0 to for the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick, in his spare time, likes to just embarrass rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> and so that's what we're seeing here. So, you know, it's just so tough to say because Herbert's been just – phenomenal this year but the one area we can all agree that the Chargers have had issues is stopping the run we saw that versus the Browns we definitely saw that versus the Ravens they allowed 189 yards and three touchdowns on the ground but 
Good news for the Chargers because guess who is terrible at running the ball? Not terrible, terrible because I have Damian Harris on my fantasy team and he has been doing just solid, just great. He had a great week last week. So there is the whole Damian Harris angle. Other than that, though, the Patriots are 22nd in yards per carry and they only averaged 4.6 yards per carry last week against the Jets. Also, something to keep in mind, the Chargers are coming off of this bye week, right? They've had a whole extra week to prepare for this. It's going to be an interesting coaching matchup here because, like I said, Bill Belichick definitely got the best of them last time they played. That's never a predictor of future performance necessarily. But Brandon Staley, he had the week off. You know, he said that he, he actually told the media this week that he used the bye week to kind of look at their offensive performance, especially as it pertains to earlier downs, because that's kind of where they were struggling. So we're expecting that to be addressed, the Chargers to look better in that area. And he's going to be like the more creative coach on the field. I think that McDaniels and Belichick have been a little bit, we'll just say tried and true, I guess, which is another way of saying boring with their play calling. So interesting, interesting matchup. But Belichick's done it before. We know that. It's hard to bet against him. Here are the defenses the Patriots have faced, though. This is a little bit different. They faced the 28th, the 31st, the 27th, the 30th, and the 31st, and then Near the upper tier, they've also faced the sixth and the first. The Cowboys, 567 yards of offense versus the Pats. Why can't the Chargers? Tell me why the Chargers can't do that as well. Uh, Chargers back better than ever, worked on some of those early, early down issues. Can New England keep up with the Chargers offense is really the question for me here. And I don't think so. So I'd go Chargers minus five and a half. But I like the total better. I'd look at an under 49 here for sure. Under 49 is, I think I like this under better even than the Rams game under. But yeah, I like under 49 here. I don't love any of the options for these LA teams this week. Again, we talk about LA teams. That doesn't always mean these are the best bets available on the board. But if you are a fan or you're looking to bet on one of these teams, always going to give you options. Let's talk about college football next. Coming up next, Sam Conan, publisher for All Bruins on Sports Illustrated, joins the pod to talk about college football this weekend. That's UCLA and Utah, but also Arizona and USC. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to BetRivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the BetRivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where BetRivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. The Los Angeles CityCast is presented by BetRivers. Get paid faster with BetRivers Rush Pay. Daily boosts, special offers, great customer service, plus a $250 first-time sign-up bonus. Make BetRivers your hometown sportsbook. Download the BetRivers app or visit BetRivers.com for details. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bat Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, and very excited to welcome in our guest today to talk about some college football. Let's welcome in Sam Conan from All Bruins on Sports Illustrated. And you can find him on Twitter, at Sam Conan. Sam, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Danielle? 
really excited to uh, forget about last weekend and move on to this weekend for UCLA. <laughs> yeah. So just a heartbreaker, a heartbreaker. Actually, both teams that are playing uh, this weekend coming off losses to Oregon State. So UCLA and, or from Oregon teams rather, UCLA and Utah. So UCLA coming off that tough loss to Oregon. Utah coming off a, a loss to Oregon State, which, by the way, go Oregon State this season. I, I was surprised to see that. Uh, but both teams were favorites last weekend, and neither team obviously covered because they both came away with losses. Before we get into this week's game, I got to ask, what have you thought about UCLA's season so far? Uh, it's just such a roller coaster. I mean, we Anyone following UCLA should be used to that at this point, but right. it's still... It's always frustrating trying to watch this team and and, and uh, think that you see something one week and then the next week they're the complete opposite or they go out to an, an early lead three weeks in a row and they blow it every time and sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. It's just, it's so hard to predict and they're just such a wild card. Well, and it's not just UCLA, it's the entire Pac-12, right? There's just always yeah. just eating each other, it seems like. And it's especially difficult if you are trying to bet on Pac-12 teams because you think, hey, this is a great a team with a great run defense, and then mm, no, or this is a great you know team with great rushing and not so much. So just week to week, it gets really frustrating. This week though, uh, we got UCLA at Utah, which you were you graduated more recently than I did from UCLA, but when I was at UCLA six seven years ago, Utah was not a team I was excited to play, especially when they're at home. Uh, their fans are tough. Utah usually does better at home. Uh, Five and three UCLA right now, four and three Utah. But I mean, Utah at home, five in a row they've won and 16 of their last 17. Meanwhile, UCLA, though, kind of road dogs. They've won four straight games. That's straight up and against the spread, by the way. So go them on the road. And they are not the favorite this week, which is great because last week when they were favored over Oregon, I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Um, and we saw how that played out. So UCLA... Five and a half point dog here, but then now up to six and a half. So almost a whole touchdown here. Uh, how do you think this game is going to play out? Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about how the UCLA-Utah match, matchups went when, when you were there, but well, I just graduated this past year. So the last three, four years of UCLA-Utah, uh, they haven't gone too well for UCLA. Uh, I think <laughs> that the Utah scoring like 49 points per game the last four times they've played. Obviously, this isn't the same Utah team that, that they've had in the past. This UCLA team's a little bit better than they have been the past few years under Kelly, but still, the last three times they've matched up, the average score is something like 45 to 10. It's just, it, it's it's a little ridiculous how one-sided it's been, and, and you'd think that eventually it's going to start to move the other way. It can't be this one-sided forever, but I, I mean, UCLA has proven they can beat teams outside the top 50, really. Uh, and Utah is kind of in that same area as them where they're somewhere in the 30 to 45 range in the country. And I, I, that's, that's the kind of team where you don't really know what this UCLA team can do because Arizona State's somewhere in there too, and they got blown out by Arizona State at home. So what are they going to do when they go on a road against a Utah team that's given them trouble in, a, in the past, in, in an environment that's given them trouble in the past? I, my, my expectations aren't very high for them to, to win straight up or even cover. Well, you brought up that you have graduated, obviously, more recently than me. I'm dating myself here. But <laughs> I wanted to ask you then, because you were there under the Chip Kelly era. I was not. I was there under the Jim Moore era. 
And mm -hmm. as a student, what was it like at these games? Because I even just had a friend, actually, one of our hosts at Visa and Stormy Bonatoni. She's going to be the ESPN sideline reporter for the UCLA Utah game this week. We're going to have her on the show, actually, uh, for Friday's show. But she was just texting me and she said, I'm rewatching the Oregon game and where are your fans? She's like, what, like, why don't that many people there? And so what was it like for you as a student? And, and what do you think prevents people maybe from from going out to Pasadena? Yeah, it's it's the commute for one that's huge. Obviously, yeah, as you know, Westwood to Pasadena it can be. I mean, depending on what time the game is, you'd be an hour and a half or something to get out there on a bus. It's it's a lot. But I feel like the way it goes with, with the students and, and the fan base as a whole is maybe they'll kind of sell out and go all in for one or two games a year. This this year, the LSU game, people showed yep. out. It was, it was really good show showing there for the, for the fans and students and everything. And then they do it against uh, for the Arizona State game. It was pretty good attendance. It, it, the student section was overflowing. It was the first home game with students on campus. And they completely lay an egg in the second half. So that's the kind of thing where th this is, for some reason, this program just chokes anytime they're on a national stage or anytime their fan base builds any kind of momentum. And it's just this the second that people show interest for that, they, they build up to it. And then the team disappoints and they're like, eh, do I really have to go back all the way out to Pasadena next time after what I just saw? Nah, I'm not so sure. I think you just perfectly nailed it because that's what it feels like. I mean, the show out big, we win a big game like LSU. People are excited to come back to the Rose Bowl. They come back, there's a loss, and then they don't want to come back. And it's just like, you guys have to keep coming. And it's it's just kind of sad because UCLA's five and three. They were five and two last week and people were still complaining about that. People are complaining a lot on the Twitter sphere more than usual. I know that there's a lot of complaining normally on Twitter, uh, but about coach Chip Kelly, obviously at a point where it's like, well, it's not his first year anymore, right? This is not, we're not giving him any more concessions. So what are your thoughts about Chip Kelly and how he's done so far? Not super high on him. Like, like most people said, Mm -hmm. I, I kind of set an eight and four threshold where okay you're safe if you're eight and four anything worse he's he's done, but they're kind of on track to go eight and four right now. They should. You, know, you got Colorado and Cal coming up, and then that just means you have to beat either USC or Utah. Which so chances are that's probably what, where they're going to end up. But it's a very different eight and four than a lot of people thought going into the year because you start two and zero, you beat LSU, the fan base is so high, and you lose to Fresno State, and then okay, well you come back and you beat Stanford, that's great, and don't beat Stanford all that often, and then you lose at home to Arizona State, which had been a pretty one-sided matchup before. So it's just, it, it's it turned out to be a lot more complicated than just Chip hitting a win total and he's safe. I wouldn't say he's a hundred percent safe unless he wins out. They, they have to get nine wins in, in order for him to be really safe. If not, eight wins, he's probably fine just because the way his buyout works. It, it drops to zero in January, but you still got to pay it in, in November, December when you usually fire coaches. So he's probably safe just because of that if they hit eight wins, but uh, with a lot less good faith than people thought going into the year. Would you personally want to see him stay? Uh, I, I think... I would rather just change it up because the thing yeah. about this year's team is this is it. This is what his whole tenure for the last four years has been building been up building to. Building to. Yeah, and not just, oh, the, the the corny cliches that people pick out about, oh, it's the, the bamboo stocks that grow. It, it's not just that, but it's this has <laughs> the most this team had the most returning talent in the Pac twelve, among the, the best in the power five coming into this season. And you're gonna lose 
probably Charbonnet, Brown, DTR, Dulcich, Sean Ryan off your offense, and maybe someone like a Kyle Phillips too. On defense, you're losing Q Knight, you're losing Q Lake, Blaylock. You're, you're losing, and Agude and Caleb Johnson and all these guys are going to be gone. So you're going to be starting from scratch next year. And if all you can do at your peak is eight and four, what, what are you keeping them around for? If, if your peak is, is 10 wins and you have to rebuild every now and then, I get it. But if you just kind of hit that top, if your ceiling is eight wins and then you kind of have to reset, I mean, he probably won't have a nine-win season through five years, through six years, if he sticks around all that long. I'm, I'm with you on this entirely. I agree. And it's tough because I was very trust the process with Chip when we got him here. But now we're we're at the point where it's like, is this what the process got us? So yeah. I, it's understandable. I can see we're only about halfway through the season, obviously. So it's interesting seeing fans call for his job. But those are fans. That's what they do. Um, I'm going to get it back to the game this weekend. So Utah coming in. They averaged 5.3 yards per carry. They got running backs Tavion Thomas and Micah Bernard. And then Cameron Rising at quarterback for them as well, who's actually kind of improved their passing offense pretty well. He's thrown for at least 247 yards in each of their past three games. And right now, red flag, I'm a little nervous. UCLA gives up about 291 passing yards per contest. That's a problem. Do you think UCLA is going to have trouble with Utah's passing game or offense in general? Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll be the same team they have been the past few weeks where, where they're going to struggle with the pass defense and they'll do fine uh, on, on the ground. I mean, they, they, they did pretty well against Oregon's run game, all things considered, uh, yards per carry-wise, just because, I mean, they had, like, Die had so many short touchdowns, so you, you credit him for that, but they were mostly one, two yarders. Uh, the de run defense is pretty good, uh, but this secondary just... Cannot cut it. I don't know what it is. It, the, the talent's pretty good. They're not top level. It's not a bunch of five stars or super athletic, amazing, awesome guys, recruits across the board. But they're veteran. They're good. And they should be better than this. So I don't know where else you look besides the coaching or the scheme or, or whatever it is. There's just mistakes there. And I, I'm pretty confident that Cam Rising's going to try to pick that apart and, and succeed to some pretty high extent. Yeah, well, well, we'll get into the total here in a second because the total set at 60 and a half points. And I don't know what to think of this one. I want to go under because it seems high. But again, we'll get to that in a second here because you mentioned UCLA has a strong running game. We've seen that. But Utah, Utah kind of has a strong rush defense, actually. So I think that they're going to kind of hit a brick wall maybe here. Even last week, not a great rushing performance from them against Oregon. So Oregon figured out how to cover them there. So... Let's just get into it. Let's talk about the total. Do you think we're going to see a high-scoring game here, or are you expecting UCLA to have trouble scoring against this Utah team? I'll say uh, I would take the over at 16.5. Really? Uh, yeah, just because, I mean, the Utah, whatever it is that Kyle Woodham does, he knows how to put up 40-plus put up on UCLA. And different team, different quarterback, different running back, different guys, but something, he's done it dating back to 2016 he's scored over 40 points every time he's played in ucla whether it was mora or kelly going against azanero or whoever else was running the ucla defense i i'm and with how bad ucla's pass defense is i think rising's going to put up numbers and if he's throwing the ball around a lot i think ucla is going to have to put up a lot of points you see what they what they did when they were down big against fresno state what they did when they were down against oregon they can put up points when they're trailing, when teams play prevent defense, and they kind of, kind of pick that apart. I will say it depends on if Dorian Thompson Robinson's available. 
Uh, if he's mm -hmm. playing, if he's healthy, I'd take the over. If not, um, I really don't know what to think of this UCLA offense. As good as right, the, can't the ground game is. Yeah, I, I just I don't know what what the shift is in the dynamic if DTR is not there and Garbers is in instead. So if he plays, I'll take the over. If not, I'll, I'll probably go under. Well, I think total last week was sitting around 60 as well for the UCLA-Oregon game, and that one did go over because it was, I think, final score 34-31 or something like that. Uh, so total points for this one sitting around the same. So it's tough. I could easily see this one going over. As far as DTR... He did kind of go out with a little bit of a shoulder possible injury at the end of the last game. It was just the very, very last drive. But you saw you. I think it was you who posted a picture of him after, right, with like his backpack on. You're like, he looks okay. So yeah. and he was at practice this week. So do we think he's okay? Mm, well, it doesn't look like it's his shoulder, uh, just because seeing him at practice this week, he's he's wearing a glove on his throwing hand, which mm. we don't know if it's wrapped up, if there's something wrong or whatever it is but he's not really throwing the ball at practice he's he's in uniform he's in pads and a helmet but he, he's just kind of wandering around with the quarterbacks and the quarterback coach so maybe they're just trying to throw utah's coaching staff off and keep them on their toes or maybe he's actually a day away and tomorrow he'll be fine i, I don't really know but we'll see oh geez so that, i mean that makes it tough to to almost bet anything on ucla and obviously they're Getting six and a half points right now. If you if you had to pick a side, would you would you want Utah minus six and a half or UCLA plus six and a half? I would probably take Utah minus six and a half just based on wow. the history of the the matchup and, and the DTR DTR's question mark. Injury. That's huge. Yeah, and and that's that's tough. I mean, Utah has, has scored I want, I want to say over thirty five for three weeks in a row. So their their offense is working pretty well since Cam Rising came in. And I think that's going to continue against the UCLA pass defense that just isn't very good. And if DTR is not there, I don't know if they have the firepower to catch up or, or win in a shootout or really compete in a shootout. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous really for them, especially because it's a Utah game. It's a tough game to have to come off of that Oregon loss and go into play Utah, especially at Utah. Uh, you talked about how Utah's been putting up a lot of points. Their total points scored prop on Bat Rivers right now is 33 and a half. So you, I would imagine you like an over there. Yeah, I would take it just uh, UCLA has one of probably the worst pass defense in the Pac-12 and Utah oh, is leaning more and more. <laughs> they're leaning more it's and more tough. on their pass and they're scoring 35 a game plus the past few weeks. So I'd expect them to break that again. Yeah, and that's a way you could bet this game and, and not have to rely on what's going on with UCLA, depending on what's up with DTR. So you could look at their total points scored Utah, 33 and a half, maybe an over there. I personally hate playing overs, but... Um, <laughs> I'm like the minority with that, I think. And something to consider for this game, too, because it's at Utah, is weather. So when I talked about USC Notre Dame last week, I talked about how this is a bunch of Southern California boys, some Texas boys, <laughs> going over to Notre Dame. It's going to be kind of cold for them, and maybe teams won't be airing it out as much. So something to consider, too, is, is look at the weather for this game as well. Uh, but obviously, something to highlight with this, too. Obviously, Utah going through a tough time right now. They lost a player. They lost Aaron Lowe. They lost Ty Jordan a year ago, too, both to shooting. So they did announce that they're going to retire number 22 Saturday at the game between the first and second quarter. It's the first number in program history that they've retired. So Utah, you know, football more than a game for a lot of people. It's family and, and just going through a tough time and playing through it. So good on them. And if you're at that game, then then you can see that number retirement. Let's talk about USC and Arizona. So 4 p.m. kickoff. It's at USC. Poor Arizona. Poor Jed Fish. Oh, and seven. That's oh, tough. It's ugly. It's ugly. I can't even remember a Pac-12 start this bad in recent years. Oh, and seven. 
But I mean, they, they, I mean, to be fair, they lost their starting quarterback too. Let's like remind people, Jordan McLeod, uh, knee and ankle injury. So that's just, it's tough. Meanwhile, USC, I don't even recognize this USC football program. <laughs> three and four, they're 21 point favorites. They're giving Arizona three touchdowns. How do you not play Arizona plus 21? Talk me out of it, Sam. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I want to take Arizona just to, just because of that. That spread is so, so many egregious points. for a, going against a three and four team. I, but I mean, USC has like triple the talent of this Arizona team. Sure. And we're talking about poor Jet Fish having to work with what he's working with down there. They've just been gutted. They not, not only by transfers and injuries or decommitments, whatever it is, they were working pretty well under Jordan McLeod, who came in, started that Oregon game. And start against UCLA. Both of those games, Arizona was down by, I want to say, six points to Oregon going into the fourth quarter and down by eight to UCLA going into the fourth. So if you look at that, you say, oh, well, that, that's a team that can that can cover Hang against the USC team. But yeah. then you look at the next couple of weeks and they get their doors blown off by Colorado, who is also atrocious. And then you're like, well, if Colorado can beat them by 31, then USC should be able to beat them by three-plus touchdowns, right? It's... It's such a bizarre situation, and I I honestly have no idea what to think there. I know. It's just, I mean, it's college football, and it's just not as reliable as, say, betting in the NFL, in my opinion. But getting three touchdowns for a team, I, come on, that seems like a no-brainer, I guess. But watch, watch USC come out and light it up, because I've talked about this uh, for a couple weeks now. USC's defense, where are they? I don't know submit a missing report like person's report at this point but they know how to score they have an offense and so total for this game sitting at 56 and a half um I don't know how many points Arizona's gonna score so I can't bet anything but an under on this really what do you think yeah I, I would also go under in that because you just look at USC for as talented as their offense is as many yards they put up the past four games for them they've gone 27 points 37 uh 26 16 so and they had that 37 against Colorado, and they, and they won that game by 23. So that's what you want to look at if, if you – and that, so that that's a yeah. pretty comparable game just because Colorado is also bottom-tier Pac-12 alongside Arizona, probably a little better. So if USC can win that by 23 and then there's over 52 points, then uh, there's a little bit of drama there. But I don't know. Just I'd probably go under. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a side, it's Arizona plus 21 for me, and I have to go under 56 and a half because, I don't know, this poor Arizona team, let's just get them through the end of the season at this point. Uh, but what about Drake London? Have you had a chance to watch him play at all? Or, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the, the lore is building, the folklore is building about this guy. I mean, versus Notre Dame last week, 19 targets, 15 catches, 171 receiving yards, his new career high, by the way. That's over 1,000 receiving yards for him this season now, five touchdowns. He's averaging 11 receptions and 143 yards per game. He's just he's he's off to a, he's on a terrible tear right now in a good way. Uh, have you had a chance to see him? Uh, what are your thoughts? He's just uh, not not only are they leaning on him super heavily, like he's getting an insane amount of targets. Their whole offense runs through him, but he's just yeah. been impressive. It, it's not like oh like he's the only guy that they throw to, and that's why his stats are good. It's part of the reason his stats are good, and the other reason is because just. He's really good. <laughs> he's, he's that good. Yeah. He's very, very good. I, I forget who tweeted it out, but I saw that 
his 1,000-whatever receiving yards on the season uh, is first in the Pac-12, obviously, by a lot. Next most is somewhere just over 500. So he has double their receiving yards. <laughs> the gap. And not only that, the second place uh, receiver for, for receiving yards is closer to 98th place than they are to first place in yards. That's how big of a gap Drake London has against every receiver in the Pac-12. It's insane. And I appreciate I, I you not naming it. the other receiver because it's no shade to the other receiver. It's just that Drake <laughs> I, London is yeah. that good. No, no other receiver in the Pac-12 matters when there's Drake London there. That's what I've been telling Trojan fans every week. When I talk about USC, I said, well, it's the Drake London show. So if you're a fan of him or a family member of his, you're having a great time. Oh, yeah. It seems like, though, and I talked about this the other day, it seems like a particularly tough year for USC football. I don't know how much of it is the, the coaching problems. Obviously, lost their coach at the start of the season. But I've never seen – I mean, this USC football team is, is doing worse than UCLA right now. And I know US, UCLA returned a lot of people. But I just mean, when have we ever seen USC football, like – less talked about than UCLA football like that doesn't happen so do you think it's like been a particularly weird year or a tough year for USC yeah I think a lot of it is attributable to that coaching change or the the firing right. not, not that Williams is really going to be a, a long-term play there but it, mm -hmm. it's just weird because coming into the season you had Keaton Slovis who was going to be a, the, the offensive player of the year in the Pac-12 first team mm -hmm. quarterback put up a bunch of stats in the air raid and then he starts off slow, loses coach, he's injured, he comes back. There's so much drama there with Jackson Dart, with, even with Miller Moss. With those three quarterbacks, I never understood why they all went. Like, you knew something was going to happen. And not that they hate each other or are angry at each other. I, I have no idea. But, I don't know, teams, when you have that kind of quarterback drama, you have an unstable team and an unstable quarterback situation, that's never good. And then when you throw in just a horrible defense, then that's how you get a really bad team on the field too. Yeah. USC, they've won eight straight against Arizona and they've not lost to them at the Coliseum since 2009. So well, hopefully Oregon they get State it done. Oregon State won there since what, the 60s? So That's what I know. said. I said that the last episode. I said, uh, never say never. Because this is the seasons of never say nevers for USC and not in a good way. Not yeah. in a good way. Oh, man, Sam. I feel bad that we ended with USC because that was such a bummer. But thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Danielle. I appreciate it. So you can check out Sam on All Bruins on Sports Illustrated. You can check him out on Twitter at Sam Conan. That's uh, C-O-N-N-O-N. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast today. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please subscribe or follow or leave a rating. Thank you in advance. And feel free to tweet at me, as, as always, at Danielle Alvari. I'll be back for more fun and games on Friday. So come on back for the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.